everyone. Welcome back to Hijabi Tell All. My name is Amna. I'm your host. I have two special guests here with me. Both of them are actually my best friends. Um, I forced them to come on here <laughs> to talk about their stories. But um, yeah, go ahead. Introduce yourselves, guys. So I'm Soha. I'm Sophia. And I'm Amna. <laughs> um, okay, so today we're going to essentially break down into talking about Muslim women and career choices. So, Soha, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So, I am currently going into my third year of law school. Um, I am working at a corporate full-service firm on Bay Street at the moment um, that I'm going to be returning for articling. And it's been an interesting journey. We'll definitely get into it a lot more about how I got here, why I got here, and all the struggles that happened on the way. Right, okay. So, let's dissect everything let's start off with i guess what made you feel like you were comfortable going into you know this i guess career and like what kind of inspired you to even like get into law school and do your lsat and like what were the struggles that even came behind even that journey yeah it's interesting because i feel like i'm not like you've seen me yeah. go through so many different stages of my life and i feel like oh there's there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. There's so much because I just remember like, you know, when the pandemic had hit and stuff, I think everybody was going through like a midlife yeah. crisis or something. Like everybody was like, hey, like what's going on? Like, okay, what do you do? Like, it's just kind of like, I think everybody was kind of lost in regards to how they wanted to like pursue certain yeah. like career aspiration, just anything. Right. So I just remember like me and you were talking and stuff and you were like, I think I'm going to do my LSAT, you know, yeah. like I think I'm going to study for my LSAT. And I just remember you got all your books and I was like, literally like, Soha, we're going to, like, you're going to do this and yeah. inshallah, you're going to get into law school. Yeah. It's so like interesting because I feel like I never, law school is just never on my radar. I feel like I, you know, I grew up in like an interesting background where I was, you know, the only daughter. My parents were fairly traditional and like religious and conservative about their beliefs. They had a mindset like as like South Asian parents usually do, which I feel like comes from a place of them coming and immigrating and wanting to hold on to their identity. And I think that they were just very adamant on me, you know, pursuing an education and then getting married. And right. you know, that was the, that's the goal, post a child, you're amazing, you're married, right? Yeah. And for me, like, I always felt like as a kid, like, I found myself to be fairly rebellious. Rebellious in the way where I always was about prioritizing like my selfhood and my identity and who I was as a person and trying to discover who that was independent of you know, these cultural norms that we have of brown women. Um, and so when I was in, under, I went to, you know, my undergrad for psychology, I always thought I was going, going to go into some sort of, you know, mental health counseling background. But I, I think in undergrad, I started finally exploring like who I was more as a person and came to the realization that, you know, psychology and the mental health field just wasn't for me. And then the pandemic hit right at the time that I was graduating in 2020. And I had a job lined up as a statistical analysis for a corporate, um, you know, area. And it fell through because of the pandemic, all the jobs got cut. And I was just kind of left thinking like, what am I going to do with my life? And it was, it was definitely like a very interesting time. And I remember just thinking like, okay, you know what? I'm going to just get the LSAT books off of Amazon and I bought them and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go through the first 50 pages, see how I feel. And then worst case, I can just not do it. You know, mm -hmm. there's no pressure. Like no what one made even... you want to do the LSATs? Um, 
I don't know. I okay for me. I feel like I always underestimated estimated myself as a person, and I always thought that. Um, you know, I feel like as kids, we look at these like professional um, fields and these professional careers, like becoming a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, and sometimes they feel so unattainable. And that's what I felt. I was like, this is so unattainable. This is... Like, it seems like you can just never get into it. I'm never going to do it, right. you know? And I think it came from like me as a person. Just kind of undermining yourself yeah. in a sense, right? And growing up in a community that I didn't value who I was as a person, not valuing my identity, that I think like I absorbed other people's opinions of me and I saw them as true beliefs of who I was as a person and because of that I was like no this was this is never my cards like I can never do this right, right. but I kind of was like you know what there's no pressure let me just give it a shot and it's I interesting know. and just yeah. see where your journey see takes you exactly right. and I, when I was a kid like Everyone says this, which is, I find so dumb, but it's like, just because you're an outspoken kid, people will be like, oh, you should be a lawyer, which yeah. is so wrong. Like, <laughs> that, like that, I feel like I was just an argumentative kid. Like I would always, like, so they think that's like say. the best quality to have as a lawyer. They're just like, yeah, just go into law school. Yeah. As if that, that, that's not like, what that's like kind do. of like the like underlying factor as yeah. to what and a lawyer consists of. I always just thought law was just so interesting, but I, like I said, like I never wanted to explore it because I thought. I could never do it. You know right. what I mean? But then I kind of just, I remember I did like the first 50 pages of the LSAT and then I went to my mom and I cried. I'm like, this is so hard. I, and I still have like my Snapchat memory of me like crying like day two of like studying for the LSAT. Yeah. But then I thought, I'm like, okay, I'm 50 pages in. There's roughly like 600 pages left. I've spent like $300 on this. I have to do it now. Right. Like I, like I have to do it. And worst case, I do the LSAT and I can not apply if I just don't do well. Right. You know, so that's kind of like where my head was at going just into wanted it. to do the test. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm like, I'm just going to do it. See where it takes me. And I told no one. I literally told no one. I was like. I was like the only one that knew. Yeah. You and like, I think just like my other like best friend, yeah. Mary. I'm like, like the two of you knew. And I knew I'm like, okay, like if I don't do well, no one knows. Only my two best friend know, best friends know. And I'll just tell them, like, it just didn't work out. And, like, that's okay. And that's that, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. no pressure. There's, like, no pressure. So how did you feel and stuff when you finally had done your LSAT and went through all of this, like, technically, like, blood, sweat, and tears to yeah. finally get your results back? Because I do remember you actually opened your results. And I remember I was, like, one of the first people to know. Yeah. And I just remember being so ecstatic and so happy for you. And I'm like, yeah. my girl got into law school. Like, this is monumental. Yeah. It was so crazy because I feel like when I did the LSAT, there's always, like, a sense of, like, uncertainty when you get your LSAT score and then you send in your applications because it's a very non-linear process where maybe you could have an amazing LSAT score, an amazing GPA, but for whatever reason, you just don't get an offer. So... Even when I got the LSAT, I was like, okay, this is good enough to apply. I'm going to send him an application, but still no pressure. I was like, I'm not going to tell anyone until I get a offer. And I remember I was, I was going skating with like one of my best friends like that day. And I, since I didn't, I think I ran out of data or something like that. And I was thinking like, before I head out, I'm going to check the portal just to see like in case like something happens, like when I am out and I can't check and I had started seeing all like the different like discord websites and the pages that people were starting to get acceptances so I was like okay and I remember just logging into the portal like a usual day and like somehow like I kind of took a double take because it would always say like in progress but then like it said accepted 
and they didn't send me an email or anything like it was just the portals and I, and I kind of was like looking at it I was like no and I I remember I ran downstairs and I told my dad and he kind of was like I think he was in shock too but the thing is like my I think my dad was someone who was always like excited about it but my mom just wasn't very happy and bless my mom I love her so much I love she's, her too she's, she's my favorite <laughs> she's she's the best and you know I I just feel like she herself like as a brown woman has had a very difficult life and you know she it's she has her own beliefs for certain things and I think she was just very she didn't really understand the journey that I was taking as a woman um and because I think her beliefs of what women bring to the table and what your life is supposed to be as a woman was very distinct as, you know, getting married, having children, raising your children and becoming and fulfilling that role in life. Right. And the journey that I was taking was something that was completely on the other side of that spectrum. And I think it was really difficult for her to wrap her head around the fact that I, you know, was... 22 or 21 and not getting married and instead I was going to go back to school you know yeah. for like another three years I mean it's something that they didn't really like go through so I think part of that is mm -hmm. worry you know she's kind of just worried for you yeah yeah I think I think the intentions are obviously good and stuff I yeah. think as parents I think a lot of our parents and stuff get worried and stuff when we get get to a certain age and we're still not married right and I don't think it's obviously out of bad intent mm -hmm. I think it's just generally just wanting us to like also fulfill that part of our lives and stuff right but I think obviously your journey was a bit different where it's like you mm -hmm. kind of took a different route in your life to essentially attain like you know getting into law school and like you know obviously pursuing more education and stuff right but in a sense like you're also breaking down barriers right mm -hmm. we're also kind of ending certain generational traumas and certain things that come with like even obviously like not maybe taking the route of marriage right away right because I think a lot of people just say okay you know we're done our undergrad or we're done college like it's time to get married and stuff and people kind of settle down and then they also lose their identities within marriage because mm -hmm. I also hear yeah. girls going through that as well right so I feel like your journey was like a bit different right so I honestly like that's like I completely agree like my takes on marriage like you know that's that's a topic for another day yeah and I am getting married too so it's like yeah. there's there's a lot happening but I've always felt like as a woman and as just a person in of, uh, in of yourself it's your responsibility to develop your life develop, develop your identity and your selfhood independent of anyone in your life whether it's your family your friends your partner and you know have yourself flourish as a person before you choose to be in a relationship and I really felt like at the age of 22 I personally was too young to go and get married. I, you know, I, I had someone in mind. I was with someone and I am getting married to that person now. But I just felt like at that period of time, that's my time to develop myself and my career and set myself in a place that when it is time to get married, that both of us are in places that we understand that we have independent lives and we're bringing that together and sharing each other. Yeah, just sharing each other and stuff. And in a sense, like bringing together essentially like sharing happiness together right exactly. and kind of like sharing that uniting and stuff with one another to you know obviously explore life together right it's like and I think it's good to obviously have a sense of independence so there's mm -hmm. no codependency on one another either right? exactly and for my mom I think that this is just a very common thing like amongst like you know immigrant moms and ethnic women that they're they're grown up into a certain you know, time of life and they're taught certain things and they go through certain traumas. And as a woman, you have two options. Either you, you figure or, or you wrap your head around the fact that this is the norm. You tell yourself that this is normal. This is what women go through. And that's how you cope. Or you choose to transcend those, you know, 
traumas and those boundaries and you go through a phase of, of life where you're really struggling with the fact that I have been through stuff that I shouldn't go through, you you kind of cope with that and then you pave the path forward for you know people that come after you. And I think for our mothers, they didn't have the opportunity to go through that coping stage because when they immigrated here, they were focused on making ends meet, making sure their children were eating and they're surviving, their families were doing okay, that we have, I think, the, the privilege as you know, people that have grown up in a much more sustainable position that we can go through certain coping mechanisms and come out in a better stage. Right. And I just think my mom in that period of time, she grew up in a place where she, her coping mechanism was coming to the conclusion that the things that she has gone through is what women go through. That's your life as a woman and that's what you do. And therefore, me as her daughter, I would do the same, right. you know? Exactly. And that's why I feel like she was not very happy when I did get into law school because for her, it was like, Okay, Soha's gonna move out at the age of 22. She's gonna go pursue an education. When she comes back, is she still gonna be who she is? Is she gonna be someone different? Like, what, like, where, where is my daughter headed? Yeah, maybe you she know? thinks, like, even like, you know, environmental factors play a role in even your identity, right? In mm -hmm. the sense of, like, oh my God, if she, like, moves out and stuff, what if she changes? her mind of even ever getting married, right? Because exactly, sometimes yeah. pe people get like obviously worried, like especially parents, right? They get worried about that too. So obviously as you're talking about this and stuff, do you think this is more of a cultural thing or more of a religious, like religious beliefs that impact the career choices and opportunities available to like women? Like how do you feel like, like where's your stance on that? Like I, I definitely think it's a lot more cultural than it is religious because religiously, like I really believe that, you know, in Islam, like we it's focused on empowering women and putting women on a pedestal to, you know, further their careers and further their accomplishments. And I feel like culturally we've kind of taken that as if, you know, when a woman is educated or she's accomplished, and a lot of times you know, maybe you're more accomplished than more men you know, you know, and that really threatens the men in our community that this woman is, she's smarter than me, she makes more money than me, she's in a better place than me, and she won't need me because yeah. they often don't bring much to the table. Right. <laughs> the misogyny, <laughs> yeah, the misogyny is a real. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, then as a man, that really comes, I, I really feel like for men that feel that way, it's because they're insecure and they don't bring much to the table. So they're threatened when women bring a good, like too much to the table. I think and, a lot of this also has to do with like internalized misogyny, right? Yeah. Where it's like, even like the way, like even our moms sometimes think a lot of it does have to do with that as well, right? Internalized misogyny kind of thinking like, okay, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be and stuff. Like this is what a man's role is versus mm -hmm. a woman. So I it's kind of that, like that's what it is. I think it's the role, the idea behind like culture and having a certain role that women are supposed to follow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I felt like for just like our community in general, it's really built to make men feel comfortable and find marriage prospects for men or find women that are willing to adapt to whatever a man wants. And that's why, for example, in Pakistani culture, they will often look for girls that are a lot younger for men who are in their twenty they're in their in their late twenties and early thirties. Because they can kind of like in a groom, sense like groom them yeah, and condition yeah. them to kind of be a certain way and kind of mold mm -hmm. them to be a certain way. But they can groom a woman that's educated and in a better career than him and is making more money than him because she knows her worth. And I really feel that men are threatened by that because then they can't they can manipulate you into thinking that you need them. Yeah. Because yeah. you you know what you need as a person. Exactly. So obviously like, you know, let's talk about your transition from moving out of your home to finally moving to Kingston and stuff and then getting into obviously Queen's Law. Like mm -hmm. how is that journey and stuff like in terms of like when you had finally moved out, how did you feel about just kind of being on your ones and kind of like 
kind of trying to navigate and stuff like a whole new life and stuff without anyone actually like being there by your side right like because obviously your family's here we're all here yeah you know it's like you have to kind of like start fresh talk to new people pretty big change yeah, yeah. like a pretty big change I it, mean I felt it at I least. know <laughs> it's funny because it's like I feel like I was feeling it and all my friends were feeling in my family like, I was like crying I'm, oh just my- like, I'm like how am I gonna go biking with Soha I'm I know. Like, how am I going, gonna go on like walks with Soha and go jogging with Soha yeah. and like I literally am just like life is gonna change so much when she leaves and I just remember being so upset about it and I was like yeah. literally telling you I'm like I'm gonna miss you so much I'm like, don't go, don't go. But it's like, I just know that that was like a part of your life that you had to like, you know, fulfill and you had to go. Yeah. And it was, since I was in my first year, I, I also didn't bring my car to Kingston because of like the financial like concerns related to it. So I wasn't, I didn't really come back much often. I think, I think I came back like every three, four months, yeah. like very rarely, um, whenever we had like a break, but I, I, I feel like it was su- in the beginning, it was such a huge learning curve because I lived alone. Um, I got like a condo to myself. I had like the privilege of being able to like decorate it really nicely, like however I wanted to. And it was such a new chapter of my life because I feel like I grew up in this like very conservative background um, with my parents. And when I moved in, it was, I feel like I felt certain feelings that I never thought that I would feel. And I think the biggest thing is, is like when you come from like a very loud family background, like for example, I'm Punjabi. And for us, it's like our households are so chaotic and loud. There's always something happening. And I think as a person, it's not normal to go through stimuli to that degree, but to cope as a child and as like an early adult, you think your body starts to Kind adapt, of adapt to like you know obviously you're, exactly yeah. and kind of like you're you know you're kind of like in survival mode in a sense exactly and, yeah. so then when I moved out and I go from this like very chaotic like ethnic background to now this quiet condo where it's just me like you can hear a pin drop like there's no one there it's just me and it, it definitely was it took a lot of time for me to kind of get to a place where I was comfortable with the silence and com- comfortable with just my presence away from everyone because I was also living in, in a community and in like a city that where no one looked like me. I, com- I moved to a place where, you know, I didn't know anyone. I feel like I was like, like it was like cold turkey, you know, like coming into a place. I didn't know anyone. I was going through a whole new school. Like I didn't know what I was getting into my, my myself into. And then I was also just living alone for the first time. And thankfully, like I always grew up fairly like self-sustaining in a way that you know like I can cook I can clean I can do whatever I can take always care of myself. been very independent martial yeah so then like that was never an issue because I love doing that for myself it was just the silence that I think I didn't expect would be a thing but it really got me but and it's kind of like eating away at you I yeah, remember you telling me I could like I it was feel something like, you weren't used to no it was it was like very it was very interesting. I never, it, like, the thing about it is, like, I never thought that would be a thing because I craved silence and peace for so long. But the second that I get it and got it, I had to go through a learning stage of unlearning the chaos and the stimuli that I was used to and relearning, like, the peace and the tranquility that I'm supposed to have as a person. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, like, obviously, I remember when, you know, we were conversing back in those days and stuff when we were talking about, like, obviously, you've been transitioning and feeling like nobody looked like you there was obviously like how did you feel like you fit into like even in a sense like even like your environment right because we're talking Kingston we're literally talking about like barely any Muslims any barely any brown people barely anyone that looks like you so like how did that kind of like affect your identity even I think one of the positive things is is that Kingston is lacks a lot of diversity of course 
but that's also very real for like the field of law. And I feel that I went through a learning curve being in that city, but I think it set me set me up well for my career. And that's actually advice that someone gave to me, like another brown woman at Queen's Law, which she told me when I was coming that there's a not there's not a lot of people that look like you, but that's what the field is like. So see the city as like a test drive for the field. And I remember I, I feel like a lot of it has to do with like my personality too, because I had friends. I feel like I was so grateful to find my group of people. Like I, I found like a few, you know, ethnic, brown, Middle Eastern people. People that, that you can essentially relate to, right? Yeah, and we were going through the same journey, the same experiences, and they are genuinely like my best friends. And I mean, you've like met yeah. some of them. Like they're genuinely like- They're sweethearts. Yeah, they're like, like, they're like my soulmates. Like I love them so much. And I was so grateful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave, put them in into my life to be able to navigate this new area. But I think for me, like I have always been a much more laid back personality. Like I'm a much more chill person. I'm not someone that likes to, you know, flaunt my accomplishments or have to talk a certain way to convey to people like, hey, guess what? I'm smart. You know, yeah. I've always been like fairly laid back. And if you know things about me, you know things about me. And like, I'll never make it a thing like, oh, like I like X, Y, and Z. Like I do these things. Therefore, you should respect me. You know, because I believe that people like respect is a default to every single person that you meet. Right. And like for my friends, like they were always a lot more outspoken. Like they would, for example, like, you know, raise their hand in class and be a lot more contributing to the law school environment, the law school sphere and that culture. Whereas for me, like I was just kind of chilling. Like I was kind of doing my thing. Like I would go to school and I would hang out with people and I would like, kind of kick it with them. And then I would come home and study like in the comfort of my own apartment. And I feel like a lot of people considered that to be something that um, like maybe I just wasn't a competitor or that maybe I wasn't their competition because they're like oh no she's just like she's just she's doing chilling. whatever yeah. she's chilling like, she's chilling she's like, kicking she, it yeah she's know? kicking it she's not like you know working hard but then they don't know what I'm doing behind the scenes and I think because of that in the beginning a lot of people I feel like I was the underdog like a lot of people didn't consider me as someone that they, they should underestimated be you. yeah they underestimated yeah. me and but I think, that's something that we kind of have talked about since the beginning of even like your story right it's like people yeah. always in a sense you know, kind of underestimated you, mm -hmm. which in a sense made you feel like, okay, I can't even get into law school. Yeah. I can't even accomplish certain things. So it's like, in a sense, like you're kind of facing the same thing now, actually being in the career field where people are doing the same thing. Yeah. Because you know before I, mean? I felt like it was from like my community. It was from like my people, my family, my friends, like my siblings. And now it's from another community and it's from another field. And it's so interesting because I feel like as a young kid, when people underestimated me, I would absorb that and take that in as if that was real and that was how I was as a person but as I got older I started using that as a tool to fuel my anger my passion and when I felt like someone under uh, underestimated me I'd be like okay great like let now, me prove them wrong yeah like let me show you I'm why show you should yeah I'm gonna show you what's up and like that's why like I kind of just did my thing and then when the time came to kind of you know show your cards in a way and like show people like what you're capable of. I, alhamdulillah, with like the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I was able to do that, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, I really noticed a shift that came, not from everyone, but certain people where like I had people in my first year of law school 
not speak to me, you know, pass by me in the hallway and speak to my friends and say hi to them, but not say hi to me. There were very like, certain like subtle, implicit situations. But the second that, you know, it came to a place where everyone's accomplishments were kind of come, coming to the table when we were all getting jobs and certain people landed and certain people, certain people didn't. I had people wanting to be my friend. I had people, you know, pulling me to the side be like, hey, like, so hot, like, what's up? Like, what are you up to? And now I'm thinking, I'm like, now you want you suddenly want to talk to me and you want to acknowledge my presence. Yeah. So it was... So in retrospect, that doesn't feel maybe as genuine as you'd want it to be. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I, I have always been a very intuitive person. Like, I really believe in your intuitions and trusting your gut. And I I never considered those people's friends from the start. Um, And even when they tried to be my friend, I was like... I was nice to them. I was like, you know, like, thank it's you. It's like deuces. Yeah, you know? like, do you, you can tell. You can yeah. It's like, what's that, but deuces? <laughs> you can 100% tell when you are being shady. Like, I feel like, especially in this career, like, I've kind of come to a place where I've developed such unwavering confidence. Like, and I tell my friends all the time, like, yeah. no one can say anything to yeah. me. You have like, martial lives. You just seen how much you've grown and stuff. You've yeah. been through the last couple of years and, like, finally getting to a place where you do have that confidence and stuff that makes you the person that you are today. Yeah. And it's honestly very, very beautiful and very admirable to really mm -hmm. see that, you know, come into fruition. So, yeah. I um, remember, like, even, like, for, like, Sophia, like, I met you in 2018. And I remember the person I was in 2018. Like, I feel like people would say certain things to me. Super passive. You yeah. were so passive. Like, people I would remember... say things to me and I would just take it. I'd be like. Wouldn't say nothing back. I would say never. nothing back. And yeah. now, like, I'm like, try me. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like you can say whatever you want to me, but it doesn't matter because yeah. I just think that, like, when people have certain things to say, you're just projecting your own insecurities. And if you're insecure, like, what am I going to do to you? Exactly. You know, like, you work on yourself. Like, I, I'm, I'm good over here, you know, yeah. type, type of thing. I, I feel like it's nice to see that you've come to a place and stuff where, alhamdulillah, you're just very secure in yourself mm -hmm. as a person and you won't let anyone break you down, no matter exactly. what they say. Like, it won't get to you in a way where it's going to you know, affect you and stuff where you cannot respond because I feel like now you're able to actually be very assertive and actually respond to people and stuff mm -hmm. and their negativity, right? Which is like amazing to see because I think it's so important to be that way. Um, I think in regards to, I guess, like maintaining your theme while being a lawyer, like how do you navigate that? Because I feel like that's kind of like, you know, possibly like a very yeah. hard thing to kind of maybe balance and stuff. So like what advice would you give women and stuff in regards to how they can ma manage, like, you know, still kind of like maintaining your theme, but then also still being in their career field, whether it's law, whether it's anything else, mm -hmm. you know, so maybe expand on that. It's definitely difficult. Like for example, I'm not sure about other careers, but law has a very heavy drinking culture there. All of the social gatherings in law school, like, you know, even at the firm, like when there's things happening, it's centered around alcohol, you know, and it can be a little bit difficult because the social activity is drinking so then how do you take part of the social activity as a muslim woman and i think the the only advice that i really took myself and i give to other muslim women is that i i think of this dunya as something that's just between me and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like i i really consider that people come into into your life and i have incredible friends and incredible family and incredible partner but those are people that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put into my life and can also take away and um, I think of people that it's sad, but the dunya is temporary and so are the people around you. And for me, like my faith is what drives me. And I think if you have a strong enough faith in yourself, and maybe there's certain times where you'll feel left out because you're not able to partake in certain ways, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always reward you at the end for that. Exactly. Yeah. 
I feel like it's always like, you know, important to put your theme first and stuff, no matter where you are in your life, because as you said, everything is temporary, right? It's like, mm -hmm. even the people and stuff, even our accomplishments in this dunya, like, what are we really taking with us and stuff to our grave? It's technically like our deeds, right? Like, we're not taking anything with us other than that. So it's like, obviously, to put your theme first, no matter where you are, I think is essentially such an important thing to do. So I'm very, very glad to hear that you're you even have that perspective, mm -hmm. and you're sharing that, you know what I mean? I also feel like, you have to also recognize that you're in a certain place because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. My accomplishments, sure, it was me putting in work. Like, of course, like I put in the effort for it. But 90% of the reason why I'm here is because of my religion, like Islam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's like efforts to help me get to that place. Mm -hmm. And I think always having gratitude with that and realizing that the person, the, the being that has really helped you get to that place is not you, but it's God in of itself. It helps you maintain your faith a lot more because it's like God has put these blessings into my life for me to be able to get to this position. Why neglect the sole reason that has gotten me here by engaging in things that are against all of that? Right. Exactly. You know? Honestly, that's such a beautiful that's way such a beautiful way to like, yeah, yeah, just the way you've like, like beautifully explained that and stuff. I think it's just such a. I just think the way you just said that was yeah, just so yeah, beautiful. that was actually very nice. Yeah, and I think like you, I think like everything in life, like we we need to like attribute it to like a loss of one of like any like difficulties. Like I feel like although sometimes when I talk to people about like my journey, I'm of course only focusing on the positive things. Like I'm telling you, like I I did X, Y, and Z. Like I accomplished this, 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 and I got to this place. I'm but it comes off as a very romanticized perspective. But there was so many tears and crying and struggles and, you know, per, like personal development, character development that happened in this process. And all the negative things that happened were also from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all yeah. the positive things that happened were All the also setbacks, everything. everything. It's yeah. from, it was from God. And I just always just trusted the process that I'm just going to keep going through. I'm just going to keep riding the wave. I'm going to like go with the flow and see what happens and it because, to this point yeah and it, like Allah subhanahu wa got me to this point yeah. like of course I had a part to play in it but Allah subhanahu wa gave me the ability to have the part to play in it exactly and I think yeah. that's what like truth the wakul even looks like yeah. right just having true trust in Allah and stuff that like you know he will literally be there for you and stuff no matter what no matter what journey you're on mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing and stuff like just having that is just so so important you know mm -hmm. and I think it's just so beautiful to see but uh, I'm so happy you came on here. Yeah. I think this was such an amazing conversation for us to have. I think it's so important for, you know, for us to get together as women and mm -hmm. stuff and have these conversations, right? Because I think, I think women's voices are so important to be heard and stuff. So it's so beautiful to see that you came on here. You were able to share your story. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any like last remarks? Any last comments that you want to make? Yeah, I just want to tell every single woman out there to unapologetically be yourself be loud take up space never afraid to just say whatever you want you can apologize for things afterwards <laughs> that's, that's totally okay sorry just, about it um, yeah like sorry about figure it. it out after especially to to men in your community stand strong put your shoulders back like you know chest out and just take up space no matter what and everything else will fall into place yeah i agree with that i love that i know yeah. i love that okay bye guys bye, bye everyone